Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jim Conrad. I'm alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce. Heath, you need another extra couple of nicknames. And unfortunately, Charlie Chuckwagon Zimmerman Davies, that's a new nickname for him from last podcast, is on a flight because he's heading to LA for uh, MLS Cup. LAFC taking on Philly. We'll break down that game towards the end of the show. We'll put a little cherry on top for the whole podcast. But Heath, we're getting very close to uh, everything. And there's been such a buildup since we started this podcast. We're going to get answers. We've had a lot of questions. And now on November 9th, next Wednesday, mm-hmm. we're going to get some answers as to what Greg Berhalter and his staff are thinking for our 26-man roster for the 2022 World Cup. I'm a bit of a nervous wreck. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, somebody asked me the other day. I know we touched upon it yesterday. But as this inches closer, I'm actually getting more nervous and less confident and and. I don't know where you are with that, but that's that's my temperature right now. What's everybody else's temperature? Hit us up on Twitter at ISWT Pod and let us know what your temperature is. <laughs> yeah, we're in, the, uh, we're in the comments. Well, in the well comments. obviously, think people think I obviously live at a much higher temperature because they think I spend time in the tanning booth. I will say this, Jimmy. You don't. Of the six years that I was in, uh, five and a half years that I was in Europe, I never went to the tanning booth once, and I had a whole bunch of orange teammates that would spend all winter in the tanning booths. And they had that little, like, you know, the little square above their above their butt cheeks that showed that, like, gave away that they were in the that shows they were in the tanning booth. Uh, I never, I never, uh, I never had, I never had one one experience with um, the tanning booth. So uh, there you go. By the way, I got some merch. I finally got my merch, and you guys yes, thought dude. that you could. All of our people thought they could keep showing up at my driveway every time the merch came, and they could just snatch it from me, and I never get it. Eventually, I got it. It's awesome. Uh, I love this actually white hoodie. I'm, I'm, I. Um, we're heading into winter, so I can't wear it too long. But it's I'm, I'm just thankful that I got it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a crazy weekend, Jimmy. Uh, obviously, I've been I've been having some short conversations with a number of not a number, but a few of the players. Just kind of like uh, 
asking Ooh. how they feel. Are name, they having names, conversation? Name, names, name, names, name. I can't name names, but by 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 um, by process of uh, deduction, you should be able to figure out the few players that I that I'm, I'm right. maybe talking to. Uh, and 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 people haven't heard anything yet, so uh, I think we're going to see after in the end of this weekend. Uh, okay, hopefully I'm glad Mon- you- Monday. I, 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 what I'm getting at, Jimmy, is that. When we had our process in 2010, we were told to keep our phones on us till midnight. We were obviously in camp, and I didn't find out till like probably 1.30 in the morning or something like that. And this is, uh, again, we know this ends in tragedy for me. I, I, love, like, the, I love the story. I love but, when we tell it. We tell yeah, it. yeah. But, but what I'm saying is we had to have our phones on, them, uh, on us, didn't hear anything. And then obviously once you heard and then you saw the group, you knew you weren't going to make it. But then you, I, I had to sit around with teammates that I had been in the trenches with popping champagne, celebrating, partying, like 10, 12 guys in a room doing their thing while I was sort of on the outside looking in. And like the the hotel was shaking with people excited because they had achieved a lifelong goal or whatever for a second time or a third time or whatever. Um, And that was really tough for me. But now you're, I I don't know what's worse. Like me being able to look back and reflect and say, hey, I was right there on the edge. I did everything I could and it was out of my control. Or, you know, knowing that these guys are going to get a phone call or a text message at a distance and then many of which might not be called in again, right? This could be the end of their national team period, career, hopefully, you know, form allows them to come back in, but very well could be the case. And so it's it's a, I don't think this weekend means anything other than injuries and, and coming back well, from injuries and whatnot. That's what but, I wanted yeah. to talk to you about. Do you, yeah. do you think it's too little too late to, for anybody that might be on the bubble to make that one play that Greg Berhalter's like, yep, that's it. He's my guy. I'm leaving the other guy off. I'm going to bring this guy in because did you see that pass that he had against such and such in the Bundesliga? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess I'm thinking Joe Scally right now. Is there anything that or Jordy Pifak? Is there anything that they haven't already seen that's going to push them over the line right now? So let's talk about this whole situation from a coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if they're looking for like if you're an assistant coach or if you're Greg. Are you looking for that one thing that can help validate how you feel about a particular player in this last weekend of games? Are we really down to that? Maybe, maybe with one or two players. And maybe you want to see, okay, if they're coming back from an injury, how sharp they look. I remember when I had sports hernia surgery, I had, we played against Germany in Germany. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well. I, I was dying. I had to get into bilateral sports hernia surgery. But before that game, I knew that, if I wanted to impress the coaching staff and obviously continue to earn the trust and rapport of my teammates that I could play at a high level and they could trust me in high pressure situations, I needed to play this Germany game. Wait, was but that the one in, was that the one in March before the 26, 2006 world cup? That's correct. Yeah. And, and, and it was, that was the most terrifying game of my life, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was intense and, yeah. and, and I was nervous, but I thought, I don't know if I, if, if what I had done prior to that, what had sealed it for me. Now I'm, I'm the ultimate bubble guy. You were, you were on the bubble, not for 06, but in 2010, like you, you feel like you're, you got to take every chance that you can get mm-hmm. to, to convince them that you're somebody they can trust. Now going into that game, I knew I was struggling. I, I, my, my, my left adductor, whatever left growing was really sore. Uh, I, I, I could barely swing, but you take enough of what you need to take to numb the pain and your adrenaline, when you're running around against Miroslav Klosa and Michael Bollock and Philip Lom, like you just, you find what you need to find to, to do what you got to do. But it still handcuffs you a little bit because you don't feel like you can play as free as you'd like because you're worried about that next step or reaching for that one ball or whatever it is. So I had that stuff going on, but I didn't tell anybody. And maybe in hindsight, I should have. 
but I thought I would miss out on that opportunity because Eddie Pope was hurt, and this was my chance to play in a big game against a World Cup favorite because they were hosting the tournament. And if I could hold, and I knew to my, this is what I said to myself, if I could hold my own against Germany in this game, then I feel like that'll be enough to yeah. warrant bringing if, me on the if team. You could, if, if you could dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So, so <laughs> I play in this game 0-0 at half. We were just getting overrun for the most part. I thought first half we maybe had one or two chances. We were pretty stout defensively. We give up a terrible goal right after half. They get booed off, off the field at halftime. Okay, we're playing at the Westfalen Stadion where Borussia Dortmund play. They get booed. Jurgen Klinsmann's the coach of Germany and Yogi Loves is his assistant. They get booed. You can see their heads are all down. They're feeling crappy about how they performed, blah, 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 blah. We give up the worst goal on a set piece. Brian Ching tries to clear it. I love Chingy. But it like goes through his legs and like squirts back post. It hits like four people along the way and somehow goes in. And from that point on, they completely relaxed and kicked their ass the rest of the way. And it sucked. We ended up losing 4-1. My favorite part about the story is I had to do drug testing afterwards. And, and Oliver Kahn, the big giant goalkeeper for Germany, who's, who was fighting with Jens Lehmann to be the number one at that time, gave up the worst goal to Steve Trundle. Like, it popped over his head. Like a, like a no, 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 no. That's not what happened. Uh, uh, Eddie Johnson ran into Oliver Kahn, and it slid under him. Oh, it slid under him. Rolled. I thought it bounced Ch over him. Steve Trundle hit a long ball over the top. Yeah, yeah. Their own half line. They ran into each other. The ball rolled under both of them and rolled into the goal, and it was like a goal from the half line, basically. Or yeah, the, it was of the half. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. That, that was that was wild. So, so, so Oliver Kahn was pissed about that because he he knew that that would probably be used against him. And so I had drug testing, and it was me and him. And you can't pee when you have drug testing. Like you're so dehydrated, it takes you like an hour, hour and a half of drinking water before you can pee again. And then you don't want to overdrink your water because then your your pee is too clear, and that won't count either for the drug test. It's an absolute disaster. So it's just me and Oliver Kahn, and he's like steaming hot because he just made that mistake and didn't get the clean sheet or whatever. And I'm like, we just got our ass kicked, and this sucks. And I didn't play particularly well in the second half, and and maybe that might that might be it. That might be it for my national team career. And I took that risk knowing that I wasn't 100%. And when I came out of that, I, I immediately went to the coaching staff or like a day later and to my club coaching staff and said, I'm struggling. I need to get some – I ended up getting bilateral sports hernia surgery. I went to that crazy doctor in Munich. I was back in two weeks. And, and after two weeks, I played 90 minutes against the New England Revolution at home. I'll never forget it. And Glenn Meyernick, the assistant coach, came to watch me play in person. To the, to the soccer gods, I, I thank you. I scored the game winner. We win 1-0. And, and I did just enough. And I think that showed the coaching staff that I was healthy and ready to go. And I think there might be – so I'm tying this all the way back into my original comment that I think there might be some players that are on maybe the bubble that are – that maybe are coming off of injury. I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head. Maybe you can. But that, that there, there might be some eyeballs on a couple people and how they perform in this particular weekend could prove to be that little piece of narrative that the coaching staff's looking for. And sorry, that was a really long story. Thanks for coming to my podcast. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think that's fantastic. And by the way, that was, that was uh, at that Westfallen Stadion. I remember it was the biggest crowd I'd ever played in. It was my sixth cap. I remember specifically because I was like, the five caps before that weren't that big of a deal. And this was a big deal. It was a big this deal. Going into the World Cup. And I knew I was on the outside looking in there. And, and uh, did you for, start? For World Cup. No, I came in for, uh, Corey Gibbs? I believe, Corey Gibbs. Yeah. Yeah. What was the uh, score? What was the score when you came in? I want to say we were down by three because I think only um, Michael Bollock scored a header after I was in on the near post off a cross. And I remember him dunking it, and I remember like watching somebody with that much control and power just dunk a ball like that, <laughs> and me being like, "Oh, this is this is wild." I, I also I, remember I also yeah. remember that game in in the sense of um, Bobby Convey was playing in front of me. He came in into the game, 
And it was the first game I ever played in where I had this ultimate, I left it with this ultimate respect for the top players, considering that like I was playing in Denmark, right? So if you played FC Copenhagen, Bromby, whatever, you had a, had a good crowd. But other than that, like I could scream to my left and right and they could hear me. No problem, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. stadiums were, were even if they were full, you still had the ability to communicate. This was the first time that I was like, felt like I was in this war zone where I'm like screaming at everyone around me. No one can hear me. I'm trying to figure out what's going on and, and uh, trying to make the game simple. I'm telling Bobby like pinch in whatever. And he's just doing his own thing. And I'm like, either he's not listening or he's using the crowd to not listen and whatever <laughs> it was. And I just remember being like, man, I'm on my own right now. I got to figure this out. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I, well, guess who yeah. I played next to who I started next to in that game. Mr. Greg Berhalter. Also, oh. he ha he had hair, so so it's not the same version of Greg Berhalter that we see now. What was interesting in that game is we kind of set up in a and, and Bruce Arena had done this before. We set up in like a three 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 one, and it allowed Trundolo to be a bit of a hybrid. He could join the midfield a little bit and kind of pick his spots, but then also drop in. And it was quite clear that Philip Lom had figured out he was playing left back. Philip Lom, that that he had already figured us out within five minutes about how to <laughs> unlock mm. our little formation trick. And, and, <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, do I step into the space where Philip Lom is and leave, you know, Miroslav Klosa, uh, you know, at least getting in better, a little deeper potentially and trying to run me into the channels. Excellent. Like what, what you learn at the highest levels yeah. is how quickly they make their decisions. Plan A's that on? No problem. We got plan B. Oh, oh, you're good enough to take away plan A and plan B? No problem. We got plan C, baby. Oh, also, if we got plan C, we know that at some point plan A and plan B are going to open up again. So you be better be ready for that, you know? And so it's this constant, you know, tug and, and, and pulls and different, in different ways. But to get to your point, I also was yelling at Greg Berhalter during that game and he was four feet away from me and he couldn't hear a thing. Now, yeah. to your point about Bobby Covey, I don't know if Greg just didn't want to listen to what I had to say or what. You just don't know for sure because it's so loud. Now, yeah. I, I, that, that's a friendly in a home country at the world cup i didn't have any issues but that was a friendly in the host country right of right the upcoming that's world true, cup with the team that had a bunch of prep like that that was a tune-up you know what i mean like that yeah, didn't yeah, feel yeah. like a friendly in that one the intensity the 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 magnitude obviously yeah it was this it is jürgen klinsman was, was coaching germany at that point right and yeah, and yeah. and he was under he was under a lot of pressure um and, and as well so yeah for anyway, a friendly I, friendly context i i, I guess what i'm saying is for those matches, they did have that. That one did have a little bit of extra to it, and and up until that point, like you said, the international game, like that was the purest example of an international match. Versus, you know, a few of my matches uh, before that were January camp, and then my first match against Scotland, I was just like trying to figure it out, like where the ball was because it never touched the ground. It was just like flying in the air constantly for like the twenty minutes that I played. This was a completely different experience. You know what's what's interesting? I I'm gonna put a button on this story because. Some of these guys are going to run into this. You know, some of them are going to get cut and their dream could be over. And it's it's hard and it's harsh. But I was in the elevator after that Germany game with Casey Keller, who at that time was playing for Mönchengladbach. And he was embarrassed and he gave up four goals in the second half. Whether they were his fault or not, it doesn't matter. He gave up four goals. And I was in the elevator. And you know how after a game, when you know it doesn't go well, you and I have been in those situations where we'll look at each other and, and in some ways we'll comfort each other, right? Yeah. We will figure out a way to say, hey, we'll get them next time or, or something. So I was in the elevator alone with Casey. And this is after my, you know, hour and a half long being around Oliver Kahn drug test where he's steaming. Casey's not happy either. And I kind of went in there fishing for just a little bit. I just needed a little warmth at that point. And, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but Casey said something to the effect of, 
Yeah, it wasn't good. We, we, you know, you basically, he didn't say I sucked, but he did not say I sucked. Yeah. And, and so this was the one rare time that I had my, a room by myself. So I go into the room and I just start crying. I just start, I just don't stop crying for, for 10 minutes because I thought that was it. I didn't, I didn't play well in the second half. It was a world cup opponent. That was a favorite. I didn't really own my space the same way. And I just got our most likely our starting goalkeeper telling me I, I basically sucked. I was done. And then when I got on the flight, it was just me and Chingy. We, we act, I don't, we don't, you know, I didn't drink a lot, still don't drink a lot, but, but I had a drink on the way home with Chingy because we thought we were done. That was it. That was our world cup thing. And it was kind of fun to enjoy that moment. I actually remember this really crystal clear in my mind, but we're going to run into that with some of the guys. So let's pivot over to, to the, the player situation. And Hold on, Jimmy. I think people are starting to connect the dots between what you said in the last show about Casey Keller's record in the World Cup and the comment he made to you in an elevator and just your need to like, you know, those are obviously wildly connected, Jimmy. Uh, no, I'm just, just saying. You're, you're healing. Did. You're healing. I get it. You're, you're healing. healing. You're healing. Listen, I can see. I can literally see the, the wounds coming look, together. I, I, have, to I, have, up. I have tremendous, tremendous respect for Casey. I was just giving you a stat. Yeah. And on this one, when I was looking for some warmth, He's, which he's not known for. So he's, he can, he come on the show and be like, what did you want from me? I'm not your mom. You know, like I, yeah. I get that, you know, and, and when you're at that level, if you suck, you got to own it. But it, yeah, me, but I, but I also it was think bigger, it was bigger than that because for me, I, I had it built up in my mind that that was it. Like that was yeah. my game to prove. And, and I didn't take it and run with it. Like yeah, I wanted to and what I had. But, I hoped. but, but I, I agree with you, but anybody who's playing at that level bar a few guys that we know, uh, are critical enough to know and are going to go through the process at some point, right? This is why a lot of people don't like to watch game tape right after. They want to digest it. They want to like let it go and then look at it objectively uh, another time where you can let, be less emotional. It's why, they, it's why people are shocked that American sports have uh, journalists in the locker rooms after games because your opinions directly after a game when you're heated, win or lose, are going to be far different than when you're composed and you have a chance to like reflect differently or like, kind of get out of your own way. And I think, you know, obviously in that moment, you're always going to have certain people like that. Thierry Henry was very much like that. Like he wasn't going to give you a, a hug on, on anything, no, right? no, like totally, no matter totally. what. But there are times that you also kind of want that validation to get you through that moment. Your mm -hmm, biggest mm -hmm, moments mm -hmm. of insecurity where you're already down, you're hard on yourself and you kind of just want somebody to put their arm around you and be like, hey, we'll get the next one. You know, you know what? Or I like just shared, this my, here's the valuable <laughs> lesson here. I just shared an elevator with the wrong guy. He's just not, <laughs> I needed, I needed, hey, man, I, needed take, I, I needed hey, heat you go, in the elevator. You I go ahead. You go, you go ahead. I'll meet you up there. You know, I'll, I'll take the next one. You're like, <laughs> hey man, the elevator. You, you come I don't like, I don't like yeah. your vibes right now. I'm yeah. going to take the next elevator because I don't think you're going to give me what yeah. I need. At hey this man, you, 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 you jump in <laughs> or uh, you're like, no, nah, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to take the stairs. Like I'll, 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 meet you, I'll, I'll meet you up in the meal room. I'm going to go to the ice machine first. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll catch up with you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, that was story time with me, but, but guys are going to run into that. They're going to have their own set of stories. And, and uh, obviously you'll get more of that as, as time goes on and we get them on the show and they can talk about it. From the player perspective, though, for this upcoming weekend, as you mentioned right at the top, Heath, it feels more don't get hurt. And yeah. and we just saw Timo Werner get hurt for RB Leipzig, roll his ankle in the Champions League, and now he's out. He's out until beginning of next year. He's out for the World Cup. He misses a lot of fun stuff for RB Leipzig, an important time for them. And, and that sucks. And that could potentially happen. So now you're almost tiptoeing around. And, and for Christian Pulisic, he's probably like, you know what, Grant Potter? I'll actually, I'll sit on the bench this weekend. You know, yeah. I, 
Everybody's like, like, yeah, old squad yeah, rotation, coach. Squad you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. a little heavy in the yeah, legs. Yeah, I got a little heavy. Yeah, I got, got a little strain, coach. I don't want to yeah. push it, you know? So I'm curious, actually, with the starting lineups. We'll get into that in a little bit, probably in the second half of the show. But talk to me about the player perspective. I mean, what do you think they're thinking about at this point? And do you feel like they need to prove anything more? Because let's use Eric Palmer Brown, Mark McKenzie, guys that feel like they're on the bubble or, or on the precipice at the center back position. Can they do anything more? Or uh, conversely, no. like 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 say McKenzie has a shocker this weekend, or or Eric Palmer Brown just has an absolute shocker. Are they out? Like are, no, no. Okay, so you think I, that Greg, I, I, you think Greg's already made up his I mind? I think but, Greg's made up. I think what's going on in these players' minds for outside of, um, say honestly, Christian Pulisic is the injury concern. Right? We saw, you know. There was a number of players from a generation for that uh, 2018 roster group that never played in a World Cup, Jimmy, because the U.S. failed to make it to a World Cup. And that was their one chance, right? I look at, I look at, uh, or, or, and an Olympics. Yeah. I'm I'm still bitter about that. No, no. I I mean, and you're totally right. But the point I'm trying to make about that is that nothing's guaranteed, right? Tyler Adams, great. He's young enough to play in the 2026 World Cup. Could we have somebody better than Tyler Adams come World Cup time? Absolutely. If you look at our player pool, we could have somebody replace just about anyone in here. So the only one that I'm 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 least worried about is Christian Pulisic, but everybody else is thinking about like this is the one because it's the only one you're guaranteed. And then if you look down further down the line, if you're Cameron Carter Vickers or Mark McKenzie or 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 you know uh, Joe Scally or or DeAndre Yedlin, or he, I guess he's not going to get injured because he's not no. playing this weekend. But like um, Yedlin, Yedlin, this is if he makes it, this is it. This but, is his last. But what I'm out. saying, he's had a World Cup. But everybody else, you're kind of thinking like this. This is all you're guaranteed is now, right? When I came out of 2010, it was like, it's like any team that's reached a final or gone deep in the playoffs after a great season, you go, you wake up the next day and you go, I got to do this all over again. Like I got to start from scratch and I got to rebuild this entire thing with something different and try to get there again under different circumstances, under a different coach, probably. That's a long way to go. And so I think that stress is what people are carrying in terms of like control what you can control. So you can't, but naturally, be a little bit guarded in terms of, of of how you're playing. That obviously tends to lead towards injuries, to be honest with you, when you're when you yeah. play guarded. But like the point being is that like I don't think there's one player outside of Christian Pulisic that's playing free, and he's playing against uh, Arsenal. So I just want to see his pulse check. I'm like, where's my man's energy at if he, if he if he plays? Um, but everybody else, I'm like, you can't help but think like I need to be selected for this World Cup. And I don't think any. I think I think that roster is made up, and the only difference now is injuries, right? Chris Richards, we saw boxing in the gym the other day. Uh, I think it's too, probably too, too little, too late. Too little, too um, late. Um, but but other people, um, I mean, haven't said that Gooch. Good, they took Gooch, but Gooch was also like well established in the national team, and they thought in 2010 that he could be an asset, and he ended up playing. But like he was pretty far off the mark in that in that lead up uh, in those lead up tournaments. Like I don't I don't even think he played in those games. He was just doing like his own thing. Um, and so I think I think uh, there is just this connective tissue now to like a Joe Scally or. Uh, um, Mark McKenzie, Eric Palmer Brown, these guys that are kind of in the depths of of, of the roster, Luca De La Torre even, and where he's at, so, uh, Kellen Acosta, where they're just sort of like looking at injuries and seeing like their power rankings shift significantly based on anything around them, you know? Um, so, so, so is there any players, or let me, let me rephrase, that's bad grammar. Are there any players that you think fit the Johnny O'Brien mold from 2006? And I think I've shared this story before where he took a, Bruce Arena selected a probably 65, 70%, 75% Johnny O'Brien over 100%, let's say, Kerry Zavagnin or any other players that were on the the alternate list. 
do you feel well i guess bruce was hoping that maybe through our world cup camp now obviously there's a lot more lead up time right so you had a couple weeks of world world cup camp then you had a week in germany before the tournament actually started and yeah, we you actually, guys had almost like a month right like we did yeah by the time because we had we were the fifth match day we were like the last uh, match day for our group okay. so it, it led into like a, almost a month so so maybe in that situation it makes sense but let's say Luca De La Torre, his timeline was to be back to, well, full health, maybe not match sharpness, but full health by the start of the Wales game. Well, you still have, you still have another week, week and a half before you play your third game. Is there any play or are there any well, you'll players? Get alternates. You'll get alternates, right? So you might go with players that you're hedging on and knowing that like you have a, your final deadline date for FIFA, unless that's actually the ninth. I don't think that is. I don't think um, it is either. So I would yeah, guess I, that's probably, I don't know, the talking. 15th or something like that. So you might go with players like a Luca De La Torre and a Chris Richards uh, and and know that you've got your guys in waiting, that you're having that open com communication with. Um, but when I think about 26 players, I don't know anybody in here in the injury situation. That I mean, certainly a goalkeeper. Maybe you can get them back to health if that's the difference of having Matt Turner or having it be uh, Ethan yeah, Matt Horvath. Turner's another and, one. Right, and if right. it's Ethan Horvath and 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 um, Sean Johnson, maybe you're only bringing one and you're going to take the chance on Matt Turner to be healthy and fit. Um, and I would say the same if it was Zach Steffen in that position. Uh, and then at, 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 at other positions, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of who else might be. It's, it's pretty much Luca De La Torre. Potentially, right, I'm just I, I, Chris Richards boxing in the gym. I don't know if he really loves Chris Richards, mm. even though he's played, I think, what, 200 minutes of first team action in the last. Yeah, that's eight, one where I'm just at that one sort of just like a, hey, if you checked five of the 10 boxes, I'd take I'd take a flyer on you if you were back training again, come World Cup time. Right. But he's right. really he's really checking like, are you healthy? Yes. And, and that's pretty much it. He's not got minutes. He's got no match fitness. He's got no ability to get match fitness. He's also coming out of an injury. So it's kind of like a compound uh, issue of everything where it's kind of going to be hard to then get him to the point where you're like, okay, he's been training consistently, at least at a high level, and he's getting some minutes uh, and he's playing at a, at, a, at a big club. Like all the things Charlie sold us on, Chris Richards and his environment, are the things that are hurting Chris Richards right now in his comeback. And in, in that like your, your only step up from injury goes back to that, which doesn't seem good enough. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I'm trying to find. I don't know if anybody can find it that's watching live with us right now. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod, to let us know. I don't. I can't find anything yet on on alternates and when that would well, have to be. Other than other than November fifteenth is like the final. So Greg had until November fifteenth to name his final roster, and yeah. he's choosing to do it on November 9th. Um, and maybe that's going to take some pressure off the guys for that. Well, that, that gives, last last weekend. That gives them maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a buffer to make the changes for injuries if they can't make it. Right? Uh, there's there's a comment in here if. Um, what if uh, Luca De La Torre and McKinney are both on available game one, aren't bo on both on tight timelines? McKinney's then, yeah, another like one, McKinney's yeah. another one, like for sure. If you're going to get him back in the tournament and you're going to get some use out of him, of course you're going to save one of your 26 spots for him. Now, if it was 23, that might be a different conversation. Yeah, but yeah. I would still say McKinney has to be one if he's going to be available oh, during yeah, yeah, yeah. the tournament, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Even if he misses game one and you're working him into the tournament, fine. Luca De La Torre at 23, no, but 26. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can see that, that, that happening. Um, also if he's on his way back and you can accurately, again, like you said, the problem is, is coaches would bring these guys in, in the lead up and you could actually get a, like you believe like under my umbrella and we can control this person's environment, what they eat, the rehab they're getting, the amount of time they're putting into the gym, like the way that we can control their, their, their route back to play. 
that's a good feeling. But like the coaching staff and the medical staff, they're having conversations with the medical staffs of the clubs, but they don't control anything, right? And you and I both know, if you went into a trainer right now, Jimmy, and you you went to go get a, a, a have an issue diagnosed, and you had five trainers in different rooms, you would have probably at least three different answers as to what the core issue is and what it's going to take to get back and things like that. That's what like um, sports science is. It's it's pretty fluid and it's not that clear. Uh, there's no like absolute. And we yeah, as players yeah. are looking for absolute answers, right? We're right, looking for right. somebody to buy into. And so it's not that easy to be like, oh yeah, Luca De La Torre is a week out. You know, um, that's right. why everything is four to six weeks and you see it eight weeks or they say like one right. to two and they go, well, there's something bigger. Or you look at um, um, Gio Reyna and you're like, it's a year. When 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 they're like we've died we found the issue and it's like you know eight months later it's 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 not as easy as we think because our bodies are pretty pretty uh pretty wild things yeah and I also think that for everybody that believes and subscribes to the mental capacity of of pressure and expectations and how that can weigh you down and obviously you're so close to being nominated for being on the team and, and realizing a dream and all that stuff that goes with it and just how excruciating that is and obviously he's got a great story about it. As do I. All right, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we'll actually talk about some of the games some of our players are playing in this mm -hmm. weekend, which includes the MLS Cup Final. Do not go anywhere. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce because Zimmerman, also known as Chuck Wagon Davies, is on a plane to L.A. for MLS mm -hmm. Cup. We're going to break that game down in a second, Heath. We'll get into a little bit more of the details as the two number one seeds of each conference are playing against each other in the final for the first time since 2003. That's how it should be. And I'm surprised it's taken so long for that to happen once again. But I'm just going to whip through a list of some of the big names. Hey, real quick, though, Jimmy. I, I, what, what? What? Is Charlie not flying private? Is he not on Air Chuck Wagon? Is he not yeah, on he, Air, Air he, Davies he, where he should have a good enough connection? to he like? Should. Is, is, is Charlie hitting the recession, getting hit by the recession a little harder than... <laughs> maybe, maybe the gas is a little bit too yeah. much for his private jet and he's got to yeah, go commercial. I okay. I mean, okay. I, I just can't even visualize... Or, or he's trying to just understand seat. what we go through, you know. Uh, he's just trying to, like... Uh, he's trying to relate to the yeah. little person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lay person, as it were. Yeah. All right, so here's some of the games for you to watch this weekend. If you want to see how sharp our players are playing ahead of this big announcement again on Wednesday... U.S. Men's National Team roster is dropping on November 9th. I think our Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies will be there, assuming he can get a flight back on his personal plane to New York City. All right, Joe Scally playing on Friday. That's today against Stuttgart. That'll be on ESPN+. Mark McKenzie got another big one as Gank continues to roll in the Belgian Pro League. They're on top of the table, and I think they're unbeaten in what? I don't know, 75 million games. It's pretty impressive. We got uh, Eric Palmer-Brown. And Trois taking on Auxerre. That's also going on today. So a couple center backs that are on the cusp. There, Gio Reyna is playing against Bochum on Saturday morning, first thing. Uh, Kevin Paredes is hurt. He's not going to be playing. Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson taking on Bournemouth. Uh, first thing, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. I want to definitely watch that one. Fulham is taking on Manchester City. So, Tim Ream, I think he's on I think he's on the plane to mm -hmm. Qatar. But, uh, Me too. I'm, Jedi, almost posi I'm almost positive. Uh, and some of that's from, from Intel, but some of that's also just from, like, the dire it just, situation. It just makes in. sense at this yeah. point. Given yeah. the situation, it just makes sense. Josh Sargent is one to watch. His uh, Norwich are taking on Rotherham on Saturday morning. Dean Smith, the coach of Norwich, said that they were just being precautious. He should start. But all eyes on that one to see if he plays because I think he will make the roster. Cameron Carter-Vickers is another one. As Celtic take on Dundee, he got rested because sore of a sore knee. Keith laughed that one off saying he just doesn't want to risk it and doesn't want to get hurt. As he made a wise decision not to go get embarrassed by Real Madrid in the Champions League on match day six. 
Uh, Ethan Horvath, take, Luton Town taking on Blackpool. We'll see Zach Steffen and Burrow taking on Bristol City. Austin Trusty for all those Austin Trusty uh, super fans out there. If you think he's got a late shout, I don't think it's going to be this his cycle this time around, but he's taking on Stoke. Ricardo Pepe, can he score again before the big announcement? I think he's in the team for sure. Uh, Grand again taking on Utrecht. Matt Turner still hurt. They're taking on Chelsea. Pulisic is on the opposite side of that as they take on Arsenal. We'll see if he gets any minutes. Amalek Tillman, Sands, James Sands. They're taking on Rangers. Are taking on St. Oh, John's. Tillman, that's another one that I'm. I sure think he, I don't know, man. I think he's on the fence. I think he he's the replacement for De La Torre. I think he's for sure an alternate, Malik Tillman. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're going to try to gauge where De La Torre is. And if De La Torre is out, then Tillman's in. That's what I think. Haji writes, if you uh, believe in Haji writes, he's uh, playing in the Turkish Super League on Sunday. Jordi Pifok taking on Bayer Leverkusen. Yunus Musa taking on Real Sociedad with Valencia. Reggie Cannon taking on Rio Ave in Portugal. Ledesma started recently and got a good amount of minutes. Exciting. I think this cycle's too soon for him. I think he'll be a part of the next one, but he's got big talent. Uh, Timo Weah taking on Ren. And uh, Weston McKinney and Juve taking on Inter. That's a big game, but I don't think Weston McKinney is going to be playing in that one. So those are all the ones. I don't know if anything stands out for you, Heath, but I wanted to let everybody know that there are some games to watch. And I think that Josh Sargent really stands out for me just to see if he starts or not. Yeah, I mean, Josh Sargent uh, is one. I think Sam Vines is the only other person I can you think? think of. They're playing, Anderle- I, they're playing Anderlecht. I didn't bring him I, up because I think I, he's out. I think, I he's, think out. he's I think he's or an out. Alternate, he's or he's, he's probably the only one that I think has significance in the grand scheme of things with Sergio Dest having a little bit of an injury issue right now. So you're talking about depth. Joe Scally could maybe give you both sides, but in terms of natural sighted, maybe Sam Vines is, I don't think, I don't think he's shown uh, enough trust or built enough trust with Greg Berhalter, but he's one that I think could come down to the wire as well, depending on where people fall on the, on the injury list of, of things. So I could see him being an alternate to, as well. I don't know how many alternates you can have. Um, I think there was, I, I think there was 30, in, in our cycles, and you could have seven alternates. And I bet three, you they give you four. I bet yeah. you just still have 30. You just have 26 rostered players, and you can get four alternates. That's my guess. I can't find any language anywhere on the internet. So yeah. the internet's well, the internet's somebody was saying earlier that, that they were saying they had the, up till the day that the Mexico coach had said that they have up until the day before, um, trying to find out where it was the where day their before the first match, uh, to change out an injured player. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where that. I don't know where where that. All right. Is, uh, but somewhere. I, I believe everything um, I hear and read on the internet. So that sounds good. Me, to me. too. <laughs> right, me too. Me too. Um. But yeah. So, man, it's 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 dicey. But but I like this. I like this uh, Chelsea Arsenal game on on Sunday. That's kind of tight. Uh, I, I, I bet you Pulisic starts because everybody else is going to want to be rested. I know. <laughs> Pulisic is going to be the guy that's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? No, I, I earned this. You didn't. I, uh, <laughs> you know, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, for sure you did, dude. Go out there. Go have fun. Oh, Go have fun. Man. We'll be over I, here on I, the- I, I, Okay, let's do this. Let's play a quick game before we break down MLS Cup final, okay? Which player do you think in our player pool is going to blow up in this World Cup and then make a big move in January? It seems like Pulisic could be be that but but i get the sense that if he blows up in the world cup chelsea definitely in their american under todd bully are not going to let him go he's such a an american asset as it were such a marketing vehicle for him to to have an american at chelsea what what do you is there anybody I, that maybe surprises I, you 
Wait, like, what was your question again? I was just reading this compliment where John Hurt had just said Heath deserved way more caps. He didn't fit the profile of the old style uh, of the U.S. men's national team. He's a really good crosser and offensive. Threat. I just want to say thank you, John. I'll Venmo you whatever you want to say you know something what? like that. Jimmy is the old I, I, style. I like these banging heads. Guys, <laughs> not a lot of technique. I was very technical, very, very pacey yeah. player. So I understand. Listen, and I agree with you. I didn't fit into the, like this new generation. No problem, dude. No I'm going to change your mom's phone number or name in my phone <laughs> to John Hurt because that's unbelievable. There's that's no the way. That's the problem. <laughs> with uh with youtube is that i can create as many burner names as i want and i'm not forced to to be verified but uh you can do that on twitter now for eight dollars uh, i love that you didn't question that i have your mom's number in my phone yeah. but uh, that's, that's a different conversation <laughs> yeah that's so, true. So, so i believe so, everything i hear jimmy so you know uh so which player do you think let's say outside of christian pulisic he seems like yeah. the obvious one and this is goes for everybody in the audience right now and anybody listening later and want to hit us up on twitter iswt pod drop us a follow too we that would mean a lot which player do you think out of our player pool, minus Christian Pulisic, could blow up based on their three performances, hopefully more, four or five performances in the World Cup, that's that's going to have them make a big move either in the January transfer window or the, the following summer transfer window? Just as like this, this wow, this person, yeah. I think Eunice Musa might feel kind of obvious too. But yeah, yeah, but I think Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, because they're at a, I mean, Leeds is a massive club, but they're at a struggling club in Leeds, um, depending on the day of the week, obviously, that they're struggling or not or thriving um, with where they're at, obviously doing great things. I think those two are going to be on the biggest stage and in the shop window for them to be able to see kind of where they can go next, potentially. Can they can they continue that vertical mobility? Uh, I think Timo Weah has the ability to to, to put himself on yeah, the map. Yeah, good shout, good shout on think, Timo Weah. I yeah, think... I Adams think, is Adams is good too. There's already been interest from Manchester United for him. So yeah, but I, I think a second, I think a second center back, whoever's going to play, if it, if it is Reem and Zimmerman, maybe not. But if there is one of those younger center backs that gets a run out, whether that's uh, Cameron Carter Vickers or McKenzie. it's Mark McKenzie or it's Eric, Eric Palmer Eric Brown, Brown. any one of these guys have an opportunity to to, to kind of go upward. I think Joe Scally has a lot of upside if he makes the team and gets gets some minutes. Um, Trying to think who else who else would would fit into that uh, that category. Oh yeah, Ricardo Pepe. That's the biggest one for me. If he has yeah, the yeah. hardest part is like we're, you, you we purposely avoid um, goal scores because the really the only way that you have that upper mobility in a World Cup is to score goals. Even though I've always been impressed with m way more than what his ability to score goals. I love his ability to score goals. Yeah, but right, he brings right. a lot to the table that I think right. makes him a good striker and young still. Um, so that was a little bit hard to predict, but um, yeah, those are the players I think have the ability to 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 uh, what, what I window. or Kellen Acosta even if he comes in late and he shows set pieces yeah. and shows that fight and ability to like step into some uh, another environment outside of Major League Soccer. I guess that's one of the good parts about having a young team. You could probably name eight players so that that they all step up and play well, which is cool because we're getting a lot of different names in the comments to to you know Jedi to Pepe to to Wea to Adams to Musa. Um, M. Desk could, I mean, obviously he's already played at some big clubs, but kind of solidify his his uh, spot at, at Milan and, and look at they look start to look at him as the future. There's a whole bunch of different things, and I think that's that's super cool. Another another part that I like about it is that we all can see that any of these guys could blow up because we believe in what they have at their disposal and and how much potential that they have. So that's also really cool. It's not like we're all focused. I know Pulisic's the obvious, but but I just feel oh, yeah. like it's we have some some variety okay. in our choices. That's. I think that Again, says a lot about our like, about our national team. Yeah. Well, what, what you're saying right now is, ah, oh, Musa's the obvious choice because he plays at Valencia and he's a young superstar, right? You're right. like, ah, oh, but Timo Weah, uh, you know, he came from PSG and he's at Lille. And now his next club will be even bigger. Serginho so Des, oh, he could establish himself as a starter of a team that's in the knockout rounds of the Champions League that yeah, are current yeah. champions of Serie A. When we go back 
one generation. You look at um, uh, Clint Dempsey and you're like, oh yeah, hopefully he gets minutes when he's at Spurs, right? You look at Michael yeah, Bradley yeah. taking all the steps to get to Roma and you're like, okay, he kind of hit that. That was that. That was the ceiling for him, right? And you're like, well, right. if he gets five minutes, where we've got a guy playing at Roma and we're going to call five minutes as many minutes as we want because we got a guy at Roma. Now you've got all these players not in the prime of their careers when those guys went to their, their biggest level, playing at big clubs and their lateral or vertical movements for their next two, three moves likely, right? I don't see Tyler Adams not going to a bigger club next. I don't see Brendan Aronson not going to a bigger club next right, because you right. can just see how young they are, the, the, the impact they're having on games, um, and that and they're not even close to their, 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 their sort of full capabilities. So yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing time, that's for sure. Yeah, it's exciting. I appreciate everybody's comments. And and that feels like a really nice, positive way to kind of put a button on all of our conversations today. Yeah. But I want to break down the MLS Cup final. We have the two number one seeds from each respective conference in MLS facing each other, like I mentioned before, for the first time since 2003. Mm -hmm. What I also should have added, and I'll state now, is that this will be the first MLS Cup for either club. And I think that's that's pretty sweet. They both finished on 67 points. In MLS this season, Philadelphia actually had the better goal difference. They had more goals scored than anybody else and had the best defense in the league, which led them to countless awards. Goalkeeper of the year, Andre Blake, Jacob Glesson, Scott, uh, Defender of the Year, Jim Curtin, their coach, got Coach of the Year. But LAFC is actually going to be the one that hosts the final because they accumulated more wins. So that is an interesting tiebreaker. Now, these are obviously the two most dominant sides, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm thrilled. And you know what? I'm so thrilled about it. I'm flying down. I'm going to shotgun cannonball my way down to LA. Mm -hmm. I'm landing at 1030 AM. I'm getting up to the bank of California. I don't know how I'm getting there because traffic's going to be an, a, a nightmare and there's no parking. And, and so that's going to be its own adventure. So follow me on, on the Twitters or Instagrams at Jimmy Conrad as you track my adventure. But then I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to high five Heath and Charlie in person. Mm -hmm. That's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be treated to a hell of a game. And then I fly out that night. So, so yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I, this is, this is how I love big games and I'm always in the hunt of big games. And if it's nearby, you got to make the trip to make it happen. So if you're going to be at the game, come say hi. Uh, we would love to, to meet all of our, our community in person. Yeah. I would say that this is the first final in a long time where I am. And obviously I've got my personal ties to LAFC and I got personal ties to, to, to Philadelphia union, but we got two number one seeds and teams that have been absolutely record setting dominant, right? Steve Trundolo with the most wins. Uh, in a single season of a first-year coach. Uh, I think it was 21 wins or something in the season. Broke Bob Bradley's record from, I don't know, 20 years ago. You've got uh, the insane amount of goals scored by by Philadelphia Union. Just two top teams that we've seen. And if you listen to Don Garber's sort of state of the league yesterday, he talked about how these are going to be two new teams in a final and like the the stats about like any any given Sunday type of thing of all teams have an opportunity to do that, which some people like. I what I like about that, and I do like I like that because it allows fans every year to be excited about their team versus like some baseball teams who haven't made the playoffs in like sixty years, you know. But mm -hmm, they just mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. just go. I like that part, but what I like most about it is two very different models, two different philosophies, some shared sort of uh, consistencies within that, making it to the final, but being the best in the league all season long, going one and one out with with Austin for a lot of that though but going one and one for the supporter shield and to make it to a final those are the kinds of things that make this game exciting to me like you said that no matter where I was in the world I would make an effort to come to this game because it's just it's a, I think it is a an actual special one um and that big that that beating that that um was it Orlando or Miami that beat Philadelphia some point late in the season, like four or five goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That basically costing the supporter shield. Now they're having to travel away to one of the most difficult stadiums to play in. It's just got really cool ties to it uh, that I like, but 
more importantly, it wasn't like a team sneaking into the playoffs and they get yeah, this I like raw, that. Raw, raw to I a like final. that. I like two yeah, teams. Yeah. They've been good all year long with their own plans. They've gotten better and better. They both went through their their, their little mini dips, and now here they are, two one season a final. It's going to be great. Okay, before I get to your prediction, I want everybody else to give us their predictions. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the comments right now. Who do you think is going to win this one? I love that this is probably going to be, to everything that you said before, they have distinct styles, different philosophies, but very successful in what they do. Consistently successful, especially over the last few years and, and since LAFC's origination. I love that this is going to be a great advertisement for the league. Now, we know that most finals can get a little, get a little stodgy. Right, everybody's a little nervous to take those risks, maybe in the first half. But I do hope that it opens up. I hope there's an early goal to kind of release release it. When I my last MLS guy, I played in two MLS Cup finals. We scored a goal. So I was in Kansas City for 2004. We're in LA, taking on DC United. Freddie Adu in DC United. Peter Novak's the coach. Mm -hmm. Ben Olsen's out there running around. Jaime wow. Moreno, like it, it's the old Ramondo's still in goal for DC. We score. We we won. I honestly in in. The 40 games we played that season, we must have won 1-0 15 to 20 times. It was insane how many 1-0 wins we had. We were just good at winning games 1-0. And we but that's a that's a real trait though of a team, though. You know, totally, uh, totally. being able to grind that out. And we, you know, we had the sometimes best you score in the first the minute, sometimes you score in the last minute, but you're always winning 1-0 or keeping yourselves in games. Well, usually we scored in the second half, right? And and we just felt comfortable. That was okay. We get 0-0 zero, zero We never we're never rattled at halftime. But we scored one minute or five minutes into this MLS Cup final. And then we look, kind of looked around at each other like we never score this early. We have to hold the lead for 85 minutes. And we were a little bit uncomfortable. They scored three goals. One of them was a BS handball by Aleko Eskandari. And I'm still bitter about it. But they scored three goals in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was 3-1 at half. And we were absolutely shell-shocked. We got it to 3-2. They had a red card. We couldn't score with a man up for the last 15. Had it gone to extra time or penalties, we, we would have crushed him because we just had that much more energy in the extra man. But they held on to beat us three to two. And, and that early goal, I say that because that early goal really opened up the game. And it forced us to kind of play a little bit different. And I hope there's an early goal in this one because I think well, it will that's, do the same. That's what leads me to my prediction. If Philly score first, Philly will win. Because Philly have this belief once they score, then they just open the faucets. And they could literally batter LAFC with goals and confidence. They just become automatic. If LAFC score first, I think LAFC win this one. I do think LAFC will win this but I will say that that uh, I, if I was LAFC, I would fear that first goal from Philly because they can beat anybody in the world if they score the first goal and they will run away with it. So I'm going to go right, with a right. I'm going to go with a um, a uh, a two nil uh, for, two nil? for LAFC. You don't think Philly's scoring at all? I don't know, man. Did if they see, score first, I think they'll they win. Did? But like, did you see what I, they I did to NYCFC? Yeah, like, I've seen what they did to everybody all season long. Okay, but like, NYCFC scored first, games, and, and then they scored three goals in eleven minutes. I, I mean, they have. Yeah. I think both. I think both teams are scoring this one. I don't. Yeah, I, but I, this I, one's away from home. And I'm going. I, you know. I I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, I think it's, you're gonna I go, think it's going. I'm going extra time. I think it goes to pens, and obviously it's a coin flip from there. I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't think so. I thought which which would be a kind of a crummy way to decide a final like we had it last year, it, but it, but yeah. but these teams are so even. I guess yeah. in some ways you just got to have to decide. I think the swing is that they're at home and and LAFC have depth. They can change the way that they beat you in a few different ways. And of course, because they're dude, at home. I love um, LAFC. I I, so, I I think I think they're going to win this one. I'm going to say two zero. Um, but I I do like I said I I do think a Philly score first then then I don't think LAFC win this game. So listen, I'm I'm rooting for chaos. I want a three three here, and I want to get all my money's worth for flying <laughs> down for twelve hours and going back up. All right, everybody, that is the end of this 
final episode of this week of In Soccer We Trust. We'll be back at you with a couple more fun ones next week as well. We'll try to get a special guest on. We're obviously going to have an emergency podcast around the roster dropping on Wednesday, November 9th, right after the roster gets announced. So make sure you turn on your notifications after you hit like and subscribe on any Mm -hmm. of the places that you watch and absorb and consume this amazing podcast. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon, Zimmerman Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy, Jim Conrad, saying thank you for listening and watching Doing Soccer We Trust as always. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Later.